Ghostman Horror Host here. Last minute by Duncan P. Bradshaw. You little sod. Steve scrunched the batting slip up in his hand and lobbed it towards the near empty glass of cider left behind by the wind table's previous residence. It hit the lip of the pint glass, bounced off and joined the rest of the dermatus on the floor. About right sums up my luck today. Oh, well, at least the nag will get me a nice Christmas present and an express, express appointment to the glue factory. He let out a little gruff and sunk the remainder of his lager. Looking around the bar, packed with people laden down with carrier bags, bursting with all manner of potential presents, a small spark of recognition flickered in his brain, before being replaced by the more pressing matter of his now empty glass. Why not one for the road? Must have plenty, must have plenty of time still. Digging through the multiple layers of clothing, he snuck as quick links at his watch before counting out his change. Then his brain, brain got up. He yanked his sleeves up again and looked at the time. Bollocks on wobbly legs, now dealing with the after-effects of a steady afternoon worth of drinking. Steve picked up his empties and totted it to the bar, depositing them and letting out a chirpy cheerio. Cheers then. He braced himself for the freezing world outside. Leaving the young Walmart cave of the Jersey Donkey Public House, he was greeted by a distant sound of a choir singing carols. Unlike most of the spotty Herberts that came round his house, scourging for cash while sizing sun and light, this lot seemed to know how to sing, which was nice. The harmonious melodies acted as an old, odd soundtrack for the pandemonium of the clouds. Crowds. Men weaved around each other, clutching carry bags way too big for their contents. Panic-filled eyes looked for glittery shop window to glittery shop window, desperately trying to remember their partner's perfect paint view. Oh, what the hell their little middle spot wanted? Was my little pony still vogue anymore? Why, who is the bird on the channel advert? What is the actual fuck was a zombie chimp? Zuma chimp. It's resting fix. All these words are false. Coincided into a festival scene of inebriated, angry wife and three children. Wondering why on earth Father Christmas brought them a set of tungsten carbine drill bits and turtle wax gift set. No, not again, not this year. Allowing the bows to replace the thought of utter disappointment with that of a burning log fire, minced pies, and a healthy measure of port, Steve rubbed his hands together, trying to instill some life into his already numb digits with his eternal GPS locking into the sole department store down. He looked, he took his first tentative step to salvation. Unfortunately, he failed to see the patch of black ice that landed on his tailbone. His landing made him swear loudly. Enough to make the choir stop singing. After generally standing up and skidding on the spot like a cartoon animal, he began to pigeon step off to glory. No sooner that he stood afore the promised land, a Christmas tree within the side in the size of a small country, then the security guard ushered out the last pathetic-looking man, still studying exactly what the fuck he had brought, and closed the doors. Steve frowned, checked his watch, and uttered a solitary bollocks before, bullying his fist and banging on the windfall's glass to the tune of good King Winslet's. With a smug, the security guard pointed to one side, towards the Christmas opening hours, to which he... He phoned Steve there's only he, that he was one minute, ten seconds out of luck. His face felt. Fell, the security guard revealed in deflation grinned, made the initial renowned hand gesture of wanker before disappearing back into the bowels of the shop. He'd been, uh, he even allowed himself a cheeky little heel kick jump to show Steve what an utter bastard he was. 
Despite the antic conditions, a head bead of sweat turned into a tsunami and cascaded down Steve's forehead, which had nothing but lower his core temperature as the air chilled it onto his skin, through which his current predicament death was looking like a variable option. Steve turned back, something desperately around him, looking desperately around the shopping precinct. As on cue, a very Mexican wave of retail denial rippled from shop to shop. Doors were shut, locked, and dim, lights dimmed within. A facade of what to a well-known toy stop shop, evidently containing something for all the kids, seemed to laugh heartily. In his mind, he could hear the array of shots mocking him. What a twat! No perfume for you, mister. Perhaps you should make your own from a tramp's bowl ducket. Say, Daddy, which end of the machete do you hold? Ugh, my fingers. Nice one, Steve. This cautious penguin onesie is too big. Annoyed with his eternal monologue for putting him into an even family mood, Steve slapped himself, trying to stir his spirits from the pinnacle of doom. Sod it, the garage is still open. I could get something from there. Little Jamie would love to get some charcoal. He would, could help Daddy build a big roaring fire tomorrow morning. Oh, uh, he totted, yeah, so Mummy can roast Daddy's nuts. Come on, you idiot. Every year, the same. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be clever. It just has to be something. Anything, just nothing. Can be tra- can be traced back to the local. Go on to fill them up and go and go at the bottom of the road. Or next year I'll be going to be drinking my own piss for a stock cover tankard. Come on, man, think. Plodding the centre of the pedestrianed square, he looked around, trying to find salvation. Then from above, a bright light flared in the sky. Ooh, he called as he watched fireworks display. A yellow-bloomed eye lazily through the pitch black sky sitting above a block of old houses nestled next to an alleyway frequented by the local sexual predators it hovered above it flashed twice then disappeared into a puff of sparkles still memorized steve stumbled towards it drawn to it like a moth to a blowtorch he came to a halt in front of an old antique style shop there was a faint light within emanating from a mere meager candle melted onto the shop counter miraculously he could make his make out the shopkeeper a balding man with wonky teeth parcels and sporting glasses held his face by a boil which had bloomed up and fused both skin and spectacles together spotting a nifty first cardigan which at first glance looked a posse, like a posse reindeer, going banging a red-breasted robin, and man waved a weathered hand to his own, not his own, some kind of prop. Steve wagered, beckoning the wary shopper within. Despite the appearance of both shop and owner, which had been seen better days, probably in a parallel universe of some kind, Steve pushed on the door. With it solicited a small bell tinkling and stepped inside. It was a smell that hit Steve first. It reminded him of being around, going around to see his grandparents when he was a kid. It wafted la- defected wolves of lavender, damp tweed, and a slight tinge of spilt milk. The shop itself, best described as eclectic. With bookcases of various shapes and sizes arrayed where, where, wherever they were, were where it was sort of a space. On the shelves are all manner of crap, from animal skulls to snow globes, which had long since dried up. The snow now formed into a crusty over crust over the fusilcretty within. The school shopkeeper was still grinning as though he was being sexually serviced by someone stashed beneath the counter. His hand continued to steve, steve deeper into the shop, 
Perhaps he wished to claim him, hold him out, and mount Steve for onward sail. Finally arriving the counter, seeing the shopkeeper was naked from the waist down, save for a pair of heavily stained wife friends, Steve resigned himself to, to looking at the guy square in the face. Good doing to you, sir. Why? I wager you're looking for something for a loved one, or multiples of that number, to send them some good times upon this most joyful of commercialised holidays. The shopkeeper list. Steve nodded. Yeah, though, you wouldn't know how prickly my lot are. Picking my lot are. I'll give you the little one. I have. I gave the little ones a book last year. Ungrateful so and so. He wanted to know how to cook a very variety of subcompetent meals. One day the missus went to went to quest for the necklace. I got her though. Pearl, the shopkeeper asked, knowing himself the boy's titter. Oh, ignoring the obvious contentions, Steve shook his head. Ah, gold. Oh, it, 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 she was moody. She could have been mistaken for a teenager. For a few awkward moments, silence fell the pair. Gasave and Kilter squeaking from sound like a trapper gerbil. Judging by the state of the shopkeeper's underpants, Steve hoped it wasn't a call for help from within. A silence broken by the man burst into laughter, a noise akin to corn popping into a saucepan on the job. Hob, oh, that's a good one, sir. I remember that. Why, I think you can have it. find you find anything, something for all the family members. I'm sure of it. With a clip flick of the wrist, the man produced a set of three hollowed Metal pipes and his, his empty hole halfway down the tube. Da da. Steve dared to take one and studied it intently before struggling. I give up. Was it? What is it? The showkeeper leaned in conspicuously. They are steampunk whistles for the shores of Dunwell, and they've have they've seen these parts for some quite some time. His face unchanged. Steve shrugged away. And why do why they do they want my kids? Are about as musical as a whoopee cushion. With his hands on his lips and groin jutting forward, the shopkeeper, shopkeeper licked his lips. Just go ahead and blow, huh? Blow, blow it good. Blow it like you would if you were on your knees in a public lavatory cubicle, having to pleasure a man who governs the. While you live, or who governs whether you live or die. Steve made a quick step back and working out whether he should just throw the dice of Lady Luck at the garage after all, or see that the mad bastard in front of him at his door. Okay, twirling the pipe around in his fingers, he held it. It was on his own thing. Wait, the shopkeeper boomed. Rummaging around in the bucket, he pulled out a small pewter elephant, frozen in the act of rooting, tooting his tongue. Placing on the counter a top of a flyer for the second hand coffins, the shopkeeper bowed shallowly. Now, holding the pipe in his hand, Steve put it on, it on his lips. In shopkeeper touched No, sir, this is a nose pipe. You do not sully it with your mouth. Please use your nose. It was intended by the great trumpeter, Marmaduke, the magnificently proportioned. Giving the shopkeeper a look, Steve held it to his nose, and exhausted softly a haunting area sounded, sounded, taking him up by surprise. Ah, sounds very good. I'm not even trying. The shopkeeper nodded. That's not all, sir. Look at the elephant. The what now? The elephant with guard. Steve smiled before we played the pipe's blowing process again. As the pipe music filled the dusty shop, he looked down at the elephant, who was now walking merrily along the counter. His little metal belly swung in time with the melody. Walking over to the glass filled with blackish water, he dipped his little trunk and drunk it. Holy shit, Steve screeched. The music stopped as did the elephant. How did you... How does... What does it... Just sod it. How much? For you, sir, I require three rectangles of paper which have a ten stamped upon the breast. For all those, for all those, 
roll frame. Yes, wow, bonus. That kid's solid. That doesn't work for everything. That kid does it work with anything? Yes, it does. It does. From the, the noise perks are kind of done. Might must be used sparingly. Why is that? The shopkeeper held a pipe up to his eyes. If he were telescope, his eyes is such that you can get quite a heavy built monkus if used heavily. Steve narrowed his eyes. Okay, you're a little random, huh? The shopkeeper looked back and already wrapping the pipes up in the Christmas wrapping paper from the eighties. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your feedback. So, what do you suggest for my wife? The wrapping down in a re- record time, the shopkeeper crouched down before leaping up. Nearly breaking the ten dress hold, his underpants uh, elastic had. This is his hands. He held out a plastic looking nose, complete with bulbous, hairy wool. Huh? She's not exactly into the dress. Like at all. She just did a sexy archaeologist outfit once, you know, for Halloween. She didn't, she didn't speak me until Christmas. And then she saw what I had got, uh, got her Hades annual for 1974 Fiat Spider. Well, no, sir, this is the nose of a harlot heron and witch. Steve furrowed his brow again. A witch's nose, yes. How does she smell? I don't know, sir. She's dead and has no nose. I, I suggest that she... No, you're supposed to get say terrible. It's a standard response for the setup. Well, it doesn't matter. What does it do exactly? I can't see Meredith being too made up with the sound of a witch. Certainly you held the nose out. Dig the wall to make a wish, but before you do, you must sing a verse from Old Lang Syne. Huh? Old Lang Syne? Is that necessary? Looking forward. Looking for, looking offended, the, the shopkeeper replied, Oh yes, very important for me, you do not. A terrible pox will visit you home. But I don't know the words, the shopkeeper sighed. Have you not heard of Google, look? He coughed, and there, here's a hand, my trusty trusty fear. Um, give me a handy chain, and took a night, good wady wadi, from old anxiety. His tongue much resembled a graying sponge, complete with manky gold freak, sopped out of his head and kicked the wart. Before he said, fetch me a pint of mead, and a flagon of a oak. Lo, an ogre flagon of mead appeared in the shop of hands. He raised it to its hand and stopped and said, cheers, and sank it in one. After an eye twitch of an indefinite indef- length, the shopkeeper nodded towards Steve. Fucking hell, you might, might have appeared out of nowhere. What's happened? That's amazing. Corey, the showkeeper replied, Aye, that is it. Hamish Witch has been known to have coveted so many shiny things after after they stabbed a boiling oil tar into her lungs, pulled her le- arms and legs off, drowned her, pushed metal tanks in her arm, still scoop in the skin into pushed the taxes of the skin, skillfully removed and preserved her nose, for finally setting a, setting her breathing body alight. The villagers ransacked her home, clearing quite the hold of drowning goblets as, as their own. Can I wish for some anything? Well, only material things are afraid, sir. You cannot change free will, and to request some mercy must be simpler than time. Ah, oh, simpler. Keep it side. Only material things, I'm afraid, sir. You cannot change free will. A request must be something from a similar time. Simpler time. Oh, simple time. The keep aside. The way in which would hardly knew what an iPad is. Was to her. Steve. Uh, of course. Of course, I've got to keep it to silver gold thing. Gold f- things, uh, yeah? And don't forget, 
gift wrapping his extra, Steve offered. No, you must recite a verse of old anxiety. That is very important. Perhaps the single most important thing you have transpired to have transpired thus far. Steve gave the man a double thumbs up. Got you, my friend. As you, oh, lifesaver! How much do I owe you for the nose? The show shopkeeper waved his hands. Oh, sir, this is it. I require no payment. Merely that you take it back. When you that you take it back, and do not return it to my shop, for I will not accept it back. Fair do, Mermaid said. Be happy with that. She loves all that old shit. Are you stoned? You bought magic flutes, those flutes for the kids. Meredith said, her face resembling Steve of a feral animal. I cast a refuge something poked apart. Hey, love, what's not fair? There wasn't, you wasn't there. The whole thing, the elephant, is amazing. Elephant, sorry, elephant, it moved like a, not not like remote control. It actually physically walked across the room, shop counter, drunk out the weird globe's glass. Steve adopted his mug lock. Certainly it was a perfect time to play it. Miss Sh- Meredith holds her arms. Shit. Here it comes. I'm not angry, Steve. Phew. I'm not I'm just really disappointed in you. No. That was worse than being angry. There's no physical contact for you and bad. I knew I could be, should become a trapper's monk. Lisa, get a kick-ass robe. Are you even listening to me, Meredith? Demanded. Uh, arms still folded. Death steer, steer primed and aimed squarely at her husband. Please, love, you can, you can have to believe me. Hang on. Don't, I don't, I know you. How I can prove it? Steve rummaged through the carrier bag. He wrapped his things around the present and held it. Here, Merry Christmas, sweetheart. A tiny fusion in Meredith's demure beard, so sweet that if it wasn't the fact that she'd been school sweet sweethearts and had a drew sorry sorry been madly in love with each other for nine twenty years, Steve would have put the odd financial expression. She was now exhibiting down to the first sign of an obedient liberalism. Unable to present present evidence in the truest form, she cracked, Oh, Steve, you shouldn't have. Knowing that no was the time to engage smug mode, he passed the present to his wife. Thank, trust me, it will make up for the last year, quite possibly the seven pilot. Ah, sometimes you surprise me. You know that you, that you don't, don't you? It's a proper wrapping paper, too. Little old and orthodox, but still good work. The seams are very well in. This, of course, smell petrol. It doesn't smell petrol. You missed that I'm going to go in the good book tonight. Please, love, you should not have to believe me. Hang on, I know, I can prove it. Steve rummaged through the carrier bag. He wrapped his fingers round the present and held it out. Here, Merry Christmas, sweetheart. The tourist fusion in Meredith's dominion appeared to so minute that minute that it wasn't for the fact they had been school sweethearts had to draw. Sadly, been madly in love with each other for nine and twenty years. Steve had put the odd facial expression she was exhibiting down as the first sign of impending embolism. Unable to present ambulance to its form, she cracked. Oh, Steve, you shouldn't have, knowing that now was the time to go smug mode. He passed the present to his wife. Trust me, it shall make up for the last year and quite possibly the seven prior to it. Ah, something you sometimes you really surprise me. You know that, don't you? Oh, it's probably wrapping, wrapping paper too. It's little and orthodox, but still good work. It seems so well hidden. Yes, it does not smell petrol. My, my 
you missed out going to go in the cook box tonight, Merrifield went. Steve did a mental fist pump. I was able to contain herself. She ripped the paper off. She looked at one that disappeared, disappeared, but passed in the contents of several entries. Several d- entries, radio d- DJ's hard drive being wiped. When the fuzz came a knocking. Is this supposed to be some kind of joke? Meredith held out the nose of Steve, who was still beaming from ear to ear. Trust me, it's worth the nose of Aaron. Which you can you can make a wish and get stuff. What like magic beans, huh? Honestly, for a moment there, I actually thought you got got you. You've gone some way to digging yourself out of hell and put me and the kids through. I don't f- ask so much at Christmas. I'm pretty much everything else out of my own. I cooked up dinner, put in up your racist father and your nympholepic mother who falls asleep whilst face-plating the gravy boat. All I ask is that you buy me and the kids one thing each. That's not much to ask, is it? Steve shook his head. Seriously, love, give it a go. If it doesn't work, then, well, we, we'll we do what you suggest. We'll see a cancer. Speak to someone. Deal. Gradually, Meredith studied her head. Fine, go on, then. How does this magical nose work? Simple. Three things. You've got to sing a verse from Old Lang Syne. Nick the old Walt here, there, and then make a wish. But it has to be to be for something that a bit old worldly. Yeah, you know, like a, a cassette tape or, or like a cassette cape or a fancy brooch or something. Meredith pulls her face. Old anxiety why? Steve shrugged. No idea. But it's, it's, it seemed dead set on it. And something bad would happen, or something bad would happen otherwise. Like what? Going, getting quick rich nose for your husband's loving Christmas, from your husband's husband at Christmas? Never, taking a leaf out there, like United States Nation. Steve looked around the room, making a mental drop to back, drop some hints, primarily removing their cobwebs from the alcove, above the wrist of a wardrobe, reaching his wife and expect, realizing his wife. I expect some kind of response. He replied, huh? Fine, let me see if I can just remember the words. Every year we sing it. Why can't we? I remember the words. Because no one actually can. Seriously, by the time midnight rolls around, we're usually drunk. And even if we aren't, we, we made it to midnight and fall, fall asleep because when the kids have been playing all day. Come on, let's just do the first verse. How hard can it be? Linking hands in the weird way people do, which looked pretty lame considering it was part, part it was a pair of them through unknown, though unknown to them. A ghost of paranormal past, present, and future joined in. It wasn't going to let up on that they were already around, feeling. Linking hands in a weird way by people do, which look pretty lame considering it was just a pair of them. Though unknown to them, the ghosts of Christmas past, present and future joined in. But they weren't going to let on. They were around, perhaps hoping to appear in a sequel. The pair began to fl- half-heartedly sing. Should an old acquaintance be forgot and never... Mm, should the old acquaintance be forgot for the sake of all anxiety? Meredith looked at Steve. It doesn't sound right. He mumbled a bit at the beginning and completely winged at the ending. Look, love, this isn't the evil dead now. You know, it's a witch's nose, not the newer comedy.
should an old acquaintance be forgot? Never them she should acquaintance be forgot for the sake of Lothar's eye. There is not deceived. That doesn't sound right. We um, we mumbled a bit at the beginning. I can't wind of its ending. Look, love, it isn't the evil dead. You know it's the witch's no, not the necroculium of Exmopsius. Oh, I doubt very much it's going to try and bite Randolph whilst they're forming an evil version of you, I guess, especially considering they're pretty evil already. Oh, cheeky, Meredith elbowed him in the ribs, making them both laugh. Merrifield looked at Steve. Didn't sound quite right. He, we, we mumbled a bit at the beginning and clearly winged the ending. Look, love, this is an evil dead, you know. It's a witch's nose, not the lacrimine ink monsters. I doubt very much if you try to bite your hand off. They most get filming an evil version of you, I guess. Especially considering you're pretty evil already. Ah, cheeky. Merrifield elbowed him in the ribs, making them both laugh. Come on, flick. Lick the nord, wake a mish, then you and I can retire to bed. Gonna be a long day tomorrow. Scrunching her face, Meredith licked the wart and said, I wish for a shiny golden bloom. Nothing. Well, I said, I say nothing. Steve broke wind. Meredith curled the nose to her face. See nothing before they could finish the wink, those winks. Wrinkled and sneezed, coating Meredith in a thicky, gloopy layer of pale green ectoplasm. Everything's complete with his discreet eye of Newton toad I had toad. With one more look that could describe as pure and dangerous and disgust, Meredith passed nose back to Steve, who was a gape. We wonder, slapped him, began to scoop his gunk a gunk from her face. Someone is sleeping in the spare room tonight. We discussed a little vertical joke in the morning. But I mum Steve mumbled. Meredith pointed to the floor. Go before I introduce you to the fiber optic Christmas tree to your colon. Shaving the nose in his face, Steve stifled out of the bedroom and hounded for his overnight sentry. In a mist of dreaming involving a mermaid who had been created in verse, so she had homosexual hormones about a fishy head, Steve was welcomed by gentle shaking. Blurry eyes, she looked for an arm clock with which informed him. Just past one o'clock in the morning, 
pulling the threadbare duvet up and over his head, he muttered, What is it, love? Daddy's trying to get sleep. Father Christmas doesn't come if you wait. Wait. Now, will he? He, hate, he hates kids that are up and about peering at their sleepy parents. Imogen took him again. Daddy, he's already here. Wondering if this was all part of the mermaid's plan to get him to do the business, he asked. Who is Father Christmas? That's lovely, that's lovely, Imogen. Go back to sleep now. But he's downstairs. Of course he is, love. Daddy's very tired. Go back to bed. And he's kissing Mummy. Steve sat up and bolt out. The fuck he is. Imogen slapped his, her hands on the over his ears. Daddy, don't say rude words. Traces of growing your ears are in voice. Shaking off the tentative hold of slumber, Steve swiveled on the bed and stood up, recalling in pain. He trod on a piece of Lego. Wiping his eyes, he asked again, Sorry, love, who is downstairs? Father Crevice, really? Oh, no. He's got a red coat on and she's got, he's got white, it's got white bits. And he's kissing Mammy. Yes, he must be liking it as she's been there. Wow, right, Steve stood up and pitter-pattered towards the doorway. Along with the way, he picked up his son's cricket bat, twirling in his hands. So, want me out of the way so you can play tonguey hoggy with a boss next door? I'll fucking show you. He crept down the stairs suddenly, sticking to the uh, side to avoid creaking, and headed towards the living door. It was a jar, just a crack, but a haze of weak light shone into the hallway. He pressed the door open with the toe of the bat, and there, true to Imogen's word, was Meredith, in the embrace of a man, figure of a figure, dressed as Father, Father Christmas, who had his back to him. Blind rage took over, and Steve stormed into the room. Get up, my wife, you toe rag! He yelled, pulling his bat back. He sweated from Santa across the back of his head, making a conjured pair jolt from below. From the blow. It was only now, stood in front of him, that did Steve start to pick out some little details from the scene. A red suit for one wasn't a jacket and trousers, but a fur-lined red velvet cloak. Heads of unfortunate squirrels whose pelts had been used bounced as his belt back struck. What he thought was a hat was a white bobble at the end was a plain, plaited length of greasy hair threaded through a section of spine. Steve stepped backwards, realising he may not have been, been a bit hasty. I uh, sorry, Santa, just, mate. Just, you know, you really can't blame me. It looks like a little bit sexy mermaid. I, I mean, fishy. And figure's head moved. So he faced straight towards him. He saw Meredith slump besides in the visitor's hold. Something was different about her, but he couldn't work it out what. It's something covering the middle of her face. He leant for a better look before realising what it was, letting out a wimp but oh shit, murder for gaping hole where her nose could be pulled out pulled off with such force. It'd taken most of her top lip and her skin up with the bottom of her eyelids. A red flesh and vocal eyes sockets, a bone glistened went from the firelight. She was unconscious, save for the horrible Horror visited upon the form. Steve gulped. Who are you? What have you done to her? Suddenly the figure's head began to twist by his body. Reminded him very main rooted to the spot. The bones crackled and splinters as it continued to its path, revealing a woman's face through what goat back was, was a haggard Moldering face, skin slouched from its cheekbones, as if it melted from the perches of green skin under the centipede skittered. Eyes, the whites of which had turned red through avenues of burst blood vessels, looked like back blankly. A tongue dry as sandpaper ran across the back of the pegs of blackened teeth, rasped as it went. Steve noticed that the bomb was also missing a nose, as though it had been removed surgically. A perfect hole remained. It exposed cartridges looked like an upstone turned heart. I think you know why I'm here, who I am, Sonny. The f- woman crackled as fast as rattling. The woman's head flipped back at the front and snapped up downwards, encroaching, passing, and eternity of Meredith's skull. His wife lent nip in the woman's arms, who now turned to face him. 
a woman's jaw strained beyond any compass of limit, holding Mimith in her mouth as if she was trying to eat an entire bowl of spaghetti carbonara in one go. The woman bit down, and one loud crunch bit through Mary's neck, spraying Steve with a flounting of gore. Her body sank to the floor, pumping out blood over Steve's feet. Despite the horror, all we could think of was how warm it felt between his toes. The train of thought was interrupted by a loud crunching sign. The woman chewed down on Mary's head as if it was nothing more than an apple. As she ground in her mouth, she mixed it. She fixed him with a disparate scare. With a big gulp, she swallowed the mashed up head whole and ran a scubalous hand across her lips, letting out a burp which smelt of her and gummy bears. Finally, the woman spoke. You know what I want. Steve nodded, struck dumb. The woman went in closer and pointed to the gaping hole in her stomach. I want my nose back, you fool. You set me free from my cursed Britain. And now I want my nose back. All those years, waking wishes came true, waiting for me, 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 me whole again. Now, how quaint I should raise on this the eve of Christmas, which marks the anniversary of my murder. Convenient, Steve added. He rummaged around in his pocket and pulled out a nose, and which his eyes flared, seeing the sight of a well-preserved nozzle. My precious, he shrieked. Steady on. We don't want to get into the shit, you know. Let's just stick to hat trips and nods to, in, to inspirations while carefully ripping off public domain stuff deal. Gradually, the Harlem witch nodded. I went to say my special. Metal, that works, yeah? Steve nodded. Good. So hand it over. Daddy, why is Father Christmas old woman? A children's voice asked. Turning around, Steve saw him peering around the door friend. Timmy and Rita had joined her floating heads, looking at the scene within. Why is Mummy lying on the floor, Daddy? Are you, have you not to, are you knocking about, uh, about? Peter asked. Hey, you know, I'd never hurt your mother, Steve protested. Not when I... I not what I told Charlotte, Peter confessed. Harm which crackled more, some more and rubbed her calluses hands together. And the wee bean bays are juiced down to treat in my pots. Mmm, been too long since I built for breakfast. They look plump, you can feed them on maize. Steve flinched his back tighter. Shut up, you vile clone. You may murder my wife, you're not going to hurt my kids. Screaming at the top of his lung, he pulled the bat over his head, smashing the lamppost in the process. Ignoring the sparks shooting out from the destroyed light housing, he brought the bat down on the wheel of the witch's head. It was a squirrel she connected with a soft, shallow skin and pushed her head down into her body. Her mouth now level with the top of her chest. The children cheered. Go, don't Daddy, kicking her flipping head in. Emily shouted. Spurred on. Steve ducked to one side and wallowed, walloped the witch in the back of his uh, uh, knees, sending her sprawling to the floor. As she smacked into the ground, he put one foot on the small of her spine and brought her back down again and again into the back of her skull. After a few lusty blows, there was a crack like ice being dumped in the warm Bacardi and Coke, and at which his head caved in. A swarm of fat, bloody flies took flight, buzzing out of the breach, bumping against Steve's face. Seeing that the fire was still going, Steve put a foot against the witch's body, again to roll her towards the roaring blaze. She got closer, the witch began to thrash around, and sent, went lengths of rotting, sent lengths of rotting brains into the air, and even one overcoat precise carpet now ruined by soaked in blood and brains. A shower of fiery embers landed on a clothing near, bone dry from an incarnation within the ancient curse. Steve managed to one last kick, and the whole world rolled into a pile of red hot logs, making a huge whoosh sound as he went up like a patch of soaked oil shields. The witch began to melt, standing on 
stains of skin looked for, um, Around which set lengths of rotting brain in the air, and but while over the once precise carpet now ruined in soak and blood and brains, a shower of fire embers landed on a clothing near some divine bone from an occasion of an ancient curse. Steve rolled on one, managed one last kick. The old one rolled into a pile of red hot logs, making a huge whoosh sound. And up, she went up like a petrol soaked sail suit. The witch began to melt, strands of skin looped from her lions, landing against the floor, creaking a thick lettuce web. She went to crackle again, uttered some hideous curse, but a black draught of flame took her face clean off, exposing a manly, mankling skeleton beneath. Teeth clackered against each other, unable to make any sound over his vocals or bait within her melted flesh. Steve ran the bat into the centre of the witch's face, making shatter like glass, shattered as bones, shattered across the heath. He darted over to his children, who had grown tired of the spectacle, and they were already playing a variety of games on the mobile phones and tablets. He pulled them over and close, hugging them tightly. In turn, he kissed each one softly and on the head, nodding wordless messages of condolence to each other in turn. As the fire began to die back, the witch reduced to ash and cinder. He turned the image in. So what do you want Father Christmas to bring you? Take, take a moment to think. She turned and said, Mummy. Steve's heart sank. He lunged back to his daughter's hair. I said, I'm sorry, Imogen, but your mummy, she is dead. A chorus of children asking why your conscience followed. What? Who's going to cut my hair now? Will you make roast potatoes like Mummy used to? Which, which is, which? What was Mummy doing? Go, gone to Devon? Are we really? Are we nearly there yet? I need to go wee wee. Steve held out his hands up. Whoa, now little ones. Let's not go into any mental, all mental within a few seconds. Your mother having her head bitten off by a witch. Look here, here's a deal. I'm going to look after you now. If it be cool, honest, I'm going to make this Christmas the best ever. We'll play games, watch films till late, paint on the walls. Heck, we can even drag the child remains of your witch from the fire and bury her in the forest. Does that sound like fun? The three blank faces look back. Burying a body in the woods? Still nothing. In a shadow plane? Don't. Not tough. I'm your dad and just as do, you'll do as I say for now on. The girl is frozen so you have to help. Plus, I'm not entirely convinced the local contemporary would believe what happened if we were disposed of the evidence. Imogen shook her head. But what about mummy? Steve clicked his fingers together and began to rummage through the pile of bloat soaked presents. Picking out the presents he pulled me and me, as before, he passed them to each child. He turned, buffing their hair, and calling them variants of champ, buster, scamp, and oddly tinker. They each tore the paper off and looked at Nosepipe blankly, grabbing hold of Meredith's wrist. He dragged her to cover the baby body across the floor, dumping in front of the kids, who was surprisingly non, nonplussed by the whole thing. Now, one at a time. Blow the pipe thing with your nose. Okay, Imogen placed the back of the back of her hand against her father's void. Are you real, Daddy? Are you go are we are you going to die? Are you going to become a poor and have to survive in some musical tale of our, our lives? Oh no, come on, give give it a go. When you when you do, keep an eye on your mummy, okay? Happy Imogen put the nose pipe of can under his nose under his nostrils and they breathed out. Spraying against the much snot out of the air as he, in the process. A beautiful melody song rang out. Look, Steve said, hugging the children tighter, holding the headless body of their mother. Mary just moved, and it was twitched before they reached her body. 
up to stand on all floors. As she did so, a single length of spine column plopped out and ravaged a hole in her neck, which was still dripping with blood. Wow, Jimmy said. How can I touch her? Imogen placed the back of her hand against his father's forehead. Are you, Daddy? Are you going to die? Are you going to move more or become more poor friends and have to survive in some musical in our lives? No, come on, give it a go. When you do, keep an eye on your mummy, okay? Huff him. Imogen put the nose pet of punk hand under her nostrils and breathed out, spraying almost as much snot in the air as in the process. Beautiful melodic sound rang out. Look, Steve said, hugging the children tighter and pointing to the headless body of their mother. Meredith's lips twitched before they moved her body up to stand on all fours. We did so, a length of spinal column plopped out of a ravaged hole in her neck, which was still dripping with blood. Wow, Jimmy said. Can I touch her, her daddy, please? Of course you can. Just be gentle with her, though. Okay, no rummaging around the wound. We'll seal that up later. We'll need some carry bags and some plastic, sticky back plastic. Don't you mean Stello? Steve pressed his lip against Rita's lips. Hush, child. No project placement, okay? Rivian's still playing with the nose pipe. Meredith pottered around the room, buttoning butting against the furniture and offering rise to go from the bottom of the stairs for each child. In turn, when Imogen tried, Tommy, Timmy and Rita took a turn. So you came back from the kitchen holding a plate of minced pies. Come in, you lot, tuck in. Four of them sat on the floor, stuffing the faces of Christmas sweets. Treats. Steve had a cheeky mug of port thinking well deserved as Rita stopped playing the mirth. Mirtha came to a halt in the middle of the room. Steve rested the plate on her back. Don't doesn't mummy make a lovely coffee table? Children and honesty agreed. After they all retreated to the sofa, falling fast asleep, all hugged up snuggled up together. At the last of the wood burnt out of the fire, Steve squeezed them tightly. Merry Christmas, said ones, Merry Christmas. Seeing she was in the range. He popped his feet on Meredith, who doubled up with half decent footrest and went to sleep. What was a 